Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. How are you doing, Beaumont? So someone the other day told me Beaumont stands for beautiful city. Beautiful what? Oh, beautiful mountain. I didn't see any mountains, but it was beautiful. <laughs> hey, um, for those of you that don't know, my name is Pastor John Coates, and I pastor a church called Father's House Church in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma. I've lived in Oklahoma for 18 years. I was actually born there while my dad was going to Bible school, um, but we lived in Alaska, Iowa. I was a PK, and then we moved to Kansas when I was six, and I pretty much grew up there. And uh, so it's like weird now. It's like I don't know if I'm a Kansan or an Okie. And uh, I've claimed Kansas for so long, but now I've lived in Oklahoma just as long as I, I lived in Kansas. But before I, I did that, I actually traveled um, for five years and traveled all over the country. I shouldn't even say all over the country, to half the country. I think I added it up and we've been to like 28 states. Um, and anyway, but when I was traveling, I had a, a group of interns that would travel with me. And uh, I usually was alone. Because I have a beautiful, wonderful family. My wife, when we got married, we determined that we were going to have, we wanted to have a great family. That was our number one goal. And, um, and I couldn't ask for uh, a better wife, a better lover, a better friend. And uh, she usually is not able to be with me when I used to travel. I've been home now for five years. So I'm going to ask my wonderful, beautiful wife and my two kids, J.D. and Abby, if they'll come up and embarrass them like crazy. Uh, just come up here. This is our, our family. This is our son, J.D. He's 12. And uh, my wife, we've been married for 16 years. We just celebrated 16 years in April. Uh, we're going to Hawaii in November. Uh, we're speaking at a church there and then calling it uh, kind of a slash vacay. And then our daughter, Abby, she'll be 10 in August. And then our, yeah, give it up for my family. Uh, our niece, Raven, came to live with us when she was 12, and now she's 18, and she's at home right now working and uh, hopefully not burned down the house. And, uh, but we have just a beautiful family. So everywhere I go, I always talk about my family, but most people don't get to see them. They might see it on Instagram, but I'm so glad that you get to see them in person. <laughs> they just brought the house down, didn't they? So... Let's give it up one more time for my family. Love you guys so much. Amen. Um, are we all right? Did I do something? Am I stepping on a cord, a cable? Okay. Um, this is really awkward. I'm feeling claustrophobic. Uh, so, hey, I, this morning I just have something I'd like to share with you, um, and I believe it will encourage you if you'll just uh, follow along. If you can, I believe the, the slides will be uh, up uh, on the screen. Are we good? Are you sure? Are you going to do it anymore? Because I need to be warned because I'm like, my, I'm like, my ADD is kicking in. I'm like, who's behind me? You know, I grew up in the hood. So like, what's going on behind, behind me? So uh, if you would, if you would open up, we're going to start in Ephesians 2. And uh, this is probably my, one of my favorite passages of scriptures. And uh, in Ephesians 2, I'm really just going to give an overview of the gospel story. And so this morning, whether you're a, a Jesus follower, 
whether you're thinking about being a Jesus follower, maybe someone dragged you here and you really don't even want to be here. Um, maybe you're someone and man, you've bought in and you've drank the Jesus juice and you're all about Jesus and you're with us and you've been redeemed and you've been set free and you know you've got the victory in Jesus' name. Um, I believe I just want to just kind of throw it out there. I want to just kind of let you know that whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're thinking about being a follower, whether you haven't ever thought about it before and you're just a child and you're just sitting here and you're like, who is this crazy white guy they brought from Tulsa, Oklahoma? I don't have cool long hair like Andrew. I wish I did, but mine would be a fro because I've got such curly hair. And so I wanted long hair, but my wife says, uh, burr, burr, burr. And so I just have a just a fade and I don't even know if it's necessarily good. But anyway, I want to invite you on a journey this morning and I pray it will encourage you and I pray that maybe we'll just be able to shine light. Nothing on anything new. There's nothing new under the sun and uh, I'm not here, you know, to put on a show or, or anything, but really just to share the good news of Jesus with us and uh, together. Are we good? It's all good. Thank the Lord. He is the light. Amen. Ephesians 2, 1 is where we're going to go. Ephesians 2, 1. And uh, if you haven't ever heard this story, um, I want to just let you know it's not a story. It's reality. And so let's dive in together. But before we do, can we just pray? Let's get our focus uh, back on, on Jesus. Lord, we thank you this morning. Father God, as we're getting ready to read, you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us, not just die, but be resurrected for us, that we too could be resurrected. And Father, I pray for every heart in life that's here this morning, regardless of where they're at on their journey and if they've ever even entered the journey of following Jesus, I pray for the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened. God, help us to see you, help us to hear you, help us to know you. God, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Let's read, um, in case you signed up. Does anyone, I don't know if they do it here in Beaumont, but in Tulsa at our public library, uh, we have a, a reading program. And if you follow the reading program, you get all these cool little prizes. Like, I don't know if you have Payway here, but you get like Payway coupons, which are my favorite joint to eat. And you get coffee mugs and you get all these things. And when I was younger, I was too cool for school, so I didn't read uh, secretly, I was a bookworm, and I love to read, and I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to reading, but I played sports, and back in those days, reading and sports didn't go together, so I had to kind of like secretly do it. So anyways, if you signed up for any type of reading program, we're going to help you check off the list and get your prizes at the library, and some of you just went over your head, so I'm just going to, my wife is laughing, and that, she usually gives me a courtesy laugh, and if she's the only one laughing, that means go ahead and keep reading the Bible, it's better. All right, Ephesians 2.1. It says this, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Someone say B.C., B.C., before Christ, this was us. Maybe you haven't met Jesus, and maybe you know this is you. 
This was us. I don't know about you, but I was telling our, our friend that, that's here. We had met him at the burger joint the other night, and I was like, man, I try to give God every reason not to choose me. Like, I literally gave him a laundry list of reasons why I was disqualified from ever doing anything he did. I was a professional sinner, and uh, I did it for free, willingly. And that was my life. I was a rebel. I, I kicked against everything. We went to church. My dad, uh, he got out of pastoring. And when I was six, he became basically like a, one of the head elders, uh, if you would, at, in, our, in our group of churches. And, and so he, he ran music. He ran the sound. He, he kind of filled all the different areas uh, of the church. And so we went to church all the time. And back in the day, I don't know if you all remember this, but man, there was Sunday morning service and then Sunday night service and you had Wednesday night Bible study and usually had some prayer meeting during the week. And then when you had a guest speaker and uh, you always had to be having revival. So those revival meetings, they were like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then someone would stand up and say, let's do it again next week. And all the kids were like, ah, you know, and anyway, we were the ones. And so back in those days, you didn't always have a children's service to go to. So I would be on the back row building Legos. And so I grew up in church. It wasn't like I didn't know the right way. But as soon as you got me out of church, you would have never known I went to church. I used to tell people if you would have taken a list of my class, I grew up in a small town called Hayesville, just south of Wichita, Kansas. And we had about 230 graduating uh, seniors, but if our freshman year, they were going to be like, hey, let's vote on who's going to be who. And my eighth grade year, I was like the most athletic. I was the jock. But my freshman year, I guarantee if you would have wrote a, letter, a list of everyone in our class and put a check mark next to everyone you think one day will be a pastor, I would have had no check marks next to my name. I, I, was, I was ultimately on my way to a burning place called hell. Anybody else? But then all of a sudden, somebody say, then all of a sudden. Verse 3 says, Among whom we all once lived the passions of flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Come on, somebody. But number, verse 4. Somebody say, verse 4. Say, thank you, Father. But God. Man, but God. Being rich in mercy. That word rich in the Greek means just like a lot of money. Like you can't even count it. Like super duper rich. God, he has so much mercy you wouldn't be able to even count it. It's, it's, he's so rich in it. He gets new mercy every morning. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he did what? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And if you don't know what grace is, it goes on to say, and raised us up with him. Uh, so that, which, I lost my place, sorry. And raised us up. So this is what grace did to you. You were raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And I love this next part. And this is not of your own doing. 
I know sometimes for some of us that have been on this, what I we just kind of I don't know how we got on this word, but around our church, our church is 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 is, is young. We're at like it's like if you're you're either under like 34 or you're like over fifty four. So we kind of have this like this gap. So the, those that have been o- that are over fifty, and most of them are grandparents in the church. And I've been in the church for eighteen years, and they watched me come to the church as a nineteen year old, and couldn't get into school, and got a job. And then my wife and I got married in '03. Then we became the J High pastors. Then we became the full time youth pastors. Then we became associate pastors. Then I went traveling and was an evangelist, and then became the senior. So they watched me literally grow up. My own parents go to the church. My wife's uh, father uh, goes to the church. Um, brothers and si- I mean, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a family ordeal. And uh, so anyway, at the church, but we have a lot of the kids that were in our youth group. And so we got this, this, this thing uh, going on. And so somehow, I don't know how we coined it, but we coined this thing called the Jesus journey. Like we're all on a journey. Faith is not, the Bible says God will take us faith to faith and glory to glory. Like it's a journey. It doesn't end. But there is sometimes a segment of life that I've been in, and if you've been following Jesus for some time, I'm sure you've been in. We've all been in, but we get to this point, and and let's don't raise our hands and admit anything right now, but we've all been in this point that somehow I earn this. Like, I've been going to church for three times a week, four times a week. Man, I give, I raise my hands. Man, I'm not the quiet singer. I'm singing loud, right? I, when we were little, when we went to Easter, we were the family that, like, I just don't do suits. I just don't. I'm just being real with you. I'm not against them. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I'm just saying you put a suit on me, and I don't know who I'll become, but it won't be me, right? And I remember when they made me wear a shirt and tie to unload thousands of pounds of shoes because I was in management. The managers needed to show that they were supreme. So we wore a shirt and tie and homeboy had rashes all up on his neck because my tie would rub up against my neck because they wouldn't let me undo the tie, but they were like, get in the freight truck and unload all this freight. So for me, it's just, it's just how I was. And, and, I'm just going to be real with you that I was also taught as a young kid that Jesus may not love you as much if you don't wear a suit. And I was scared for most of my life. And then I found the scripture that, wait, by grace, I am saved by faith. But let's just be real. If you've been on this journey for some time, you're used to the stuff. You, you know the lingo. You know the music. You know the songs. You, you know what to do. And if you were to look at your life and hold it up against the people that are still in the BC journey, you would say, I've got some stuff together. Right? There's some words I don't say that they say. There's some things I do that they don't do. There's some places I go that they don't go. They go some places I ain't going. And so somehow, some way, we have taken this Jesus journey to be a merit of, of if you would, a Christian um, like hierarchy. And if you're not careful... This attitude comes, I know what to do, I know what to say, I know when to go, I know when to lift, I know when to hold down, I'm here, you're there, I'm here, you're there, and somehow, because I've prayed, because I've given, because I've been uh, uh, involved, somehow I have arrived here. I'm standing up on this chair, look at me, Pentecostal. I might as well just stand, no, I better sit down. I'm trying to make myself sit down so I don't say things, because if I start walking, I get off on rabbit trails. So, But there is, there's, this, there's something about us. But listen, y'all, I don't care who you are. 
I don't care who your daddy was and who your grandma was and what church they built and where they're from. You did not do it. And you did not earn it. I like to say grace is like this. You couldn't earn it on your best day, but you don't lose it on your worst day. Man. And so it's, I know it's about Jesus, but guess why we're invited to this Jesus? See, Jesus shows us, Colossians 1.15 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So when I read the Gospels and I read about Jesus, I'm reading what this journey should look like. A life of freedom, a life of goodness, a life of mercy, a life of giving, a life of sacrifice, a life of supernatural intervention, a life of authority, a life of victory. There's so many things on this journey, but I can never forget why the journey started in that was because of this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved me, gave his son for me. And that would have been good enough just to stop. We could shout. We could preach the pain off the walls. We could tell everybody why they should get their stuff together because of what Jesus did. And he gave his all. You should give his all. And I don't understand why you ain't doing what I'm doing. If we would all just do what I'm doing because I got the microphone. I'm the loudest one in the room. And if we just all do what I'm doing. And Paul said this. He didn't say do what I'm doing. He said follow Christ as I'm following Christ. He didn't say do what I do. He was trying to say, listen, the same way I'm submitting unto God and saying, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is in your house. You need to be praying the same thing for your house. So, young folks that don't feel like you got it together, and people telling you you're dumb, you ain't got the grades. Remember when you were young, where are you going to go? Uh, I'm getting ready to be a senior in high school. What are you going to do with your life? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? What are you going to be about? Where are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to happen? I, I, I don't even know how to tie my shoe. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, where are you going to go if you don't go to college? If you don't go to college, you're not going to make something of yourself. If you don't make something of yourself, you're going to be working at Burger King the rest of your life. If you work at Burger King the rest of your life, you're going to come home smelling like burgers, and your shoes are going to be so slippery, you're going to slip and slide all your way into the room. But I had some friends whose parents worked at Burger King, were in management, and they did all right, and they didn't have a college education. And I got some folks that grew up in a farming community that were farmers. They couldn't even read past the sixth grade, but they was doing a whole lot better than some of my friends whose parents went to college and had college loan debt and were up to their hilt in loans and had cars they couldn't pay for and lived in big houses they couldn't pay for somebody better stop me but somehow isn't the truth that we put on these young people what they're trying to do to you is not harm but what they're trying to do is saying listen I've made some mistakes in my life and I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made and if I could do it over again I'd probably make some different choices Son, you're, you're accepted. You're accepted because God, 2,000 years ago, loved humanity and said, I'm going to think about you, and I'm going to give my son for you. So through faith in him, you could have the unmerited, unqualified, unequaled 
gift of God. You couldn't qualify yourself. You couldn't cause yourself to get to a certain level where there would be an equal sign next to you and then all of God's promises. No, all of God's promises are not yes and amen because you came to church this morning because there was a man named Jesus that followed his father even to the point of death and he was risen on the third day and through faith in that resurrection, ye too shall be raised with him. That's good news. And so some of us, why do we sing loud? Because we're just loud people, to be honest with you. That's, that's the truth. I, 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 my wife will tell you, I'm just loud, annoying loud. And so when I get a microphone and the anointing hits me, I just get louder. And when I was younger, I wanted everyone to feel what I felt because Jesus delivered me from addiction to drugs and alcohol and all kinds of other perversion. And he delivered me and he gave me a peace that, man, I was high as a kite and I was worried and I was like tripping out all the time. And all of a sudden I had this peace because I just said, Jesus, I want all of you. I want to give you all of my heart. Friends that used to control me and I could never say no to. Now I could say no to because I was living for something greater than their approval. I now had approval of a father who knew all things inside and out and saying yes to him gave me power and victory and authority that I didn't need from the glory of others. This is such good news. So why do some of us sing really loud? Because we're like the blind man who never saw. Now we see and we can't be quiet because now we see things we couldn't see before. We're like the man that was at the gate called Beautiful, never walked a day in his life. So when he was healed, he went around jumping and praising and dancing. And they're like, shh. And he's like, I'm trying to be, but have you realized every time they played soccer, I couldn't go play with them? Every time they were picking teams, I didn't even get picked because I, you know, can't walk, so I can't play. You know, think about everything he missed out on in life, and now Jesus offers him the life that he never had on his own. But the truth is this. Have you ever been so overwhelmed with the glory of God you can't say anything? Does that make you wrong because you can't say anything? So what we need to do is realize this, is that Jesus does not offer us methods. He offers us a message. And that message, lived from my heart of love, it causes me to wear something different than maybe you wear. That doesn't make me wrong. It doesn't make you wrong, and it doesn't make you right. It doesn't make, like, what did Jesus say? Don't be looking at the outside of the cup, right? Let's look at fruit. Let's look at love. So, where does this leave us? That was good shouting, but what do I do now? I've I've got Jesus in my life. I've accepted him. I'm a Jesus follower. How do I follow him? The entire New Testament is because we have a group of people that had other religions that were raised in other cultures, that were raised with wrong methods. And they were writing Paul and asking, okay, now we're following Jesus. What do we do now? And I think if, G- if, if, if we read this, the Western white world of America, it would say something like this. Go to church on Sunday and give all you got. But come on, somebody. We are a diverse united group of people. Come on, somebody. The Bible says every tongue, every tribe, every nation. And so we can't just listen to traditions that were passed down to us from men. We need to go to the word. 
If I said something that you didn't like, I, I do apologize. I probably shouldn't have went there. But uh, I've just seen a different side of humanity than what was handed to me by the small little town that I grew up in. <laughs> the world's a bigger place. Let me just say it this way. It's a better place. And so when I read, I read this. By grace, you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that anyone can boast. And then he says this. This is where the Jesus journey now begins. Here's the, we get in the car, we shut the door, we turn it on, and Siri gets on, and Siri has this voice. Have you ever wondered if, I heard this on a podcast the other day, do you think Europeans listen to, like, Southern America people on their, they're like, Hey, George, uh, hey, George, how do I get to? And some country dude comes on and says, well, sister, you got to turn right up here on that exit 266, and then you're going to go down and wave mama hello and ask her if she got the cherry pie on the back porch and a sweet tea and everything. Gonna, and they're going to be like, man, that just brings so much tranquility to me. <laughs> Why? I don't, I don't understand how here we listen to this girl with an English accent. And... Siri comes on, and we get in the car, and Siri's voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit, and here's what the Holy Spirit would say to us today, for we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ. Why was this whole thing created? Why, was, why did Jesus send his son, just so we could go to heaven? No, Paul goes on to say, here's, he's giving us the gospel overview, because we created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should, what? Walk in them. Now, here's the deal. Christ Jesus for good works. Good works. My question to you today, and I want to answer in the brief little left, the time we have left, is this, what are the good works you and I are supposed to be about now? And I would challenge us to not think about what's been handed down to us just over and over just because someone said so. But let's dive into the word and try to find out what the Jesus journey is is for our life. Because I don't know about you, but when I read this, Jesus is worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy, worthy. And I want my life to offer up to him a response of what he gave to me. Uh, Striped shirt, what's your first name? Darian? Darian. Do you have that question sometimes? Like, I'm a Jesus follower. What does that mean? What does that look like? Like, is it just on Sunday morning from 11 to 1? Is it, it, like, what does this look like? I mean, I know I probably shouldn't say those words, and I should say these words, and I shouldn't go there, right? But isn't there something deeper that's calling out in your heart saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I know what you want me to do with my Sunday. I know what you want me to do with my money. But what do you want me to do with my life? Do I just go to school? Do I not go to school? Do I go into business? Do I not go into business? Do I just go on uh, these mission trips and just that that's what I do? And in between the mission trips, I just kind of twiddle my thumbs and raise some money so I can go on another mission trip. Is that the life that you have for me? And I would say for some of you, yes. But here's what I've found out in my questions that I grew up with because I felt like that I was raised in a very godly church and I'm not dissing anything I was raised with because they were all godly people handing me a godly lifestyle. But I just had to ask some more questions. And some people are afraid of questions. Don't question anything. Just say yes. But the problem is if I say yes, I'm doing what you want me to do and I don't know if it's what God wants me to do because I need to ask him the question What's your kingdom come and your will being done in my life and earth as it is in heaven look like in Tulsa, Oklahoma? 
because we don't got palm trees in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The beach isn't 45 minutes away where if I have a hard day, I could just drive down to the beach, jump in it, and get back in my car and drive back. Because I was letting you know that that's probably what I would do on a daily basis. When you grew up in Kansas and there's like flat, 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 wheat, 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 and there's no water, 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 water. And you live in Oklahoma where it's, you know, like always never having water. We actually have a city called No Wada. I'm like, if I live by the beach and I live by the mountain, homeboy's going to be there a lot. Okay, I'll go back to the scriptures. <laughs> See, I go on rabbit trails even when I'm sitting down, so it doesn't really matter if I sit down or if I stand up. So let me get back to this uh, for time's sake. So I wanna, I'm going to go through um, a few scriptures to look at this Jesus journey because in, in Luke, we read that the Jesus journey is being invi- in, in introduced and people are being invited into this new journey. Luke writes his gospel. Luke is not a, a Jew. Uh, Luke is a, a Greek physician. And um, because he's a Greek physician, he has been trained. He's educated. He understands languages. He understands uh, history. He understands a lot of different things. Uh, and so when he writes it, he even tells us in Acts, when he writes his gospel, and actually in Luke 1, he tells us this. He says, he's writing for a man, and it must be a very high, uh, well-respected man in the community. But he says this, I wanted to write you an orderly account so that you will be sure that the things that you heard are true. So he's saying, hey, we're hearing about this Jesus journey. It sounds too good to be true. That's what the gospel actually means. It's, too, it's good news, too good to be true. We've heard this too good to be true news. How do we do this? And so he's going to research it. He's going to go interview all the disciples. And in his research and in his uh, trying to figure out who said what and how did this come about, he finds a guy named somehow Paul. Next thing you know, he's traveling with Paul. He's riding with Paul. He's in shipwreck with Paul. He's in prison with Paul. He follows Paul. But at the end of Paul's life, he's in prison. Luke is not. Luke is a a pastor and many historians. And when you look at the historical uh, documents of of church history, Luke was a pastor in in Philippi. And and so he had a, a vast experience. But his experience is probably best understood by reading his gospel because he's writing from a historical perspective. And he writes Acts so that you and I today in 2019, almost 2020, almost 2,000 years after what we are reading about, you and I could still be understanding how this Jesus journey happens. Now, some of you are like, okay, just get to the, get to the chase. So let's read what this Jesus journey is supposed to, to look like. And I want to speak to some people that you might be in the body of Christ, but you might feel like my foot. You might feel like the guy's foot at our church. We used to, when people joined the church, we'd wash their feet. And we'd let people know if you're not comfortable with us washing your feet for some, you know, dietary purposes or whatever, then, then that's okay. And there was one guy, he had one shoe off and one shoe on, and then someone wasn't used to it. And they just said, is, is there a reason? Can we wash your foot? He goes, you don't want to touch that foot. Anybody got some feet? Okay, we won't lift our hands. But anybody got feet they don't want someone to touch? You know, it's proven statistically that in your shoe, there's like 24,000 pieces of bacteria on the average shoe. That average is pulled up by those that have 100,000 and pulled down by those that only have 10 to 15,000. So we all got stuff up in our shoe. 
And some of you feel like that. You feel like, you know what, you're in the kingdom of God. You've been accepted by God. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you, as long as you've got a sock on and, hey, you got some fungus on that nail, and that's how you feel. You feel like you are the foot. But my Bible says right before Ephesians 2 that Christ, all things have been placed under his feet. So even if you're the foot of Jesus, you're just a toenail with some stuff on the toenail that you don't want to talk about. Let me just encourage some young folk that have been told you ain't going to amount to nothing. Even on your worst day, you are better than the devil on his best day. Well, that's good news, but what do I do tomorrow, Pastor John? Okay, let's get to it. So we're going to go through uh, just some scriptures. We're going to read them together. We're going to do it quickly. Uh, and then there's there's one scripture I think we'll get to, and then and then we'll close. And so um, we're going to look here uh, at our first scripture here in, we've read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Let's look at Luke 3, 7 through 14. For those of you that have been in church and you've been raised in church like I have, you're familiar with John the Baptist, right? He was the one that baptized Jesus. He was the one that baptized people of repentance. And so John the Baptist was known as the evangelist. He said things that people didn't know if they could say or wanted to say. And so he comes out and he starts questioning the government. He starts coming out and he starts, not just the government Caesar, the government of the Jewish law. And he was basically recognizing, hey, some of y'all been preaching the law, but you ain't living the law. Some of y'all been doing it for money's sake and not doing it for people's sake. Some of you have been using it for social status instead of helping all social life. Because that's why Jesus came. And so let's look at Luke 3, 7 through 14. This is when John the Baptist first comes on the scene. He baptizes people and people are asking the same question that maybe you didn't come here asking that question, but maybe somewhere in the back of your mind, you're asking this question. Okay, what do I do with my life today? What do I do today? And he said to them, they're like, what do we do? Because some of them worked in really bad jobs and some of them did really bad stuff and some of them committed, uh, you know, erroneous things and they did horrible things and you would think John the Baptist would say, quit it all and just come follow me. I mean, that's the best thing to do. Come be my disciple, come follow me. This is the best thing you could do with your life. Just go to church every day, pray every day, read your Bible every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. You remember that song, right? And so we have all these things that we have come to think in our own understanding because someone like me gets up with a microphone and I start talking really fast and talking really loud and surely he knows something because he's given us all these scriptures and historical references. So surely if I would be like him, maybe I would get what he gets and maybe Jesus would love me more because we're on Sunday morning, we're at a church and I'm gonna tell you don't do what I do, do what God wants you to do. Well, what does God want me to do? This is a great question. Verse 7, he says, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brought a vipers. Holy smokes. He's throwing shade right away. You brought a vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Verse 8, bear fruits and keeping or do good works. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up the children for Abraham. Verse 9, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 10, and the crowds ask them, okay, we done. You just eliminate it. Yeah, we vipers, we're bad, we've done bad stuff, we cheat, we lie, we steal, we don't go to church every Sunday, we sleep in, we keep our tithe, we take it and buy more food. And so what are we supposed to just ha had to throw some love, right? 
What am I supposed to do then? Because you just put an axe to the root of my life. And John the Baptist answered, he says, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do, wait, hold on. I'm taking by that loud message you just preached about vipers and cutting the axe to the tree that I'm not supposed to do anything. I should quit my life. I should sell my house. I should become broke and just give it all to the poor and follow you, John, because surely you know where to go, John. And he's saying, listen, this Jesus journey is actually really simple. You do your life. You just do it different. Listen, you got two coats. You probably know someone in the room that don't have a coat. Give them your coat. You got someone in the room this morning. There's probably someone whose babies are not getting, you know, the, they, they, I'm not going to go there. I'll just say my family so we don't throw any more shade this morning in church that's supposed to be light. Maybe like my family, you on a good day went to Long John Silver's. And some people in here on, on, on a good night to celebrate your family, we went where I went yesterday and had some, some fish that was from Jesus. What was that place called? Floyd's. Thank you, Floyd. Wherever you're at, whoever caught that fish, I ate. Because that was not Long John Silver's. And I remember there's people in our church when it came time to go to youth camp. I remember my dad one time, he went on a major fast. He was like, I'm going to fast. And he went on a fast, and he gave money to my mom. And he said, there's a single lady with a kid, and instead of paying for my food, I want to take the money that I would go to the restaurant on my food, and I want you to go buy their food. He didn't quit his job. I think this Jesus journey and following Jesus is a little bit more simple than we've often tried to make it. But it's also a whole lot more fruitful than we've tried. Because, I mean, I'm telling you, we can only bear so much fruit in two hours on Sunday morning. And if every, if every time we bear fruit, the only time you and I can bear fruit is when we get in this building, we're limited. Jesus did not come to be limited. He came to be unlimited. I love what the message translation says. He says, put Jesus right in the middle of your everyday life. You're coming, you're going, you're working, you're sleeping. Put him right in the middle of your life. Let's go on to read the next part. He says, if you have one to tax collectors. These were bad dudes. They stole money from people. They charged more than they should. What He tells tax collectors, he should have said, you quit your job. Quit it right now. Stop that. That's the devil. That is the devil you need to quit that job. He says, tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, all right, teacher, we heard your message. I'm a broad of viper. I admit I've stolen money. I've, I've taken money from people I shouldn't have taken. Even my cousin Joe, I shouldn't have, but, you know, it was real easy because he don't ever ask any questions. And so we, we extorted money from him. So what, what do you think I should do now? Think I should go to church tonight? Verse 13, he says, and he said to them, collect no more than you're authorized to do. Just do your job with honesty. Some of you, did you know that you doing an honest work tomorrow 
And the Bible says in Titus that as you go to work and you work unto the Lord, did you know you're bringing God glory? You're bringing the glory of heaven to earth because there are people that are trapped in slavery to selfishness that do not know how to put others before them. And you being there day after day after day doing an honest day's wage and honoring and respecting and blessing instead of cursing, praying for your enemies, praying for those that vote differently than you, praying for those that do things differently than you look differently than you smell differently than you did you know that when you do the Jesus way of praying for them and blessing them did you know that you are shining the light of heaven on earth and his kingdom is coming and his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven I don't care if you've been to Bible school I don't care if you know who Luke is Ephesians is if you could even tell someone how to get on the Jesus journey if you just got on a bus because someone dragged you along and it looked good and it was a free ride and you're just like hey at least I get to go to heaven. I don't care where you're at. I don't care where you're from or what you know. Did you know when you do it the Jesus way, you go to work tomorrow and you just live a normal everyday life, but you say, Jesus, here's my life. Here I am a living sacrifice. Here I am. Use me. What do you want to do? Someone is thinking when you say that Jesus is going to ask you to do some extraordinary thing that you couldn't ever do, but Jesus might just say, hey, when you show up tomorrow, just start smiling. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Tomorrow when you're driving home from work and your, your, barks are, your, your dogs are barking and you're aching and your back is tired and you're wondering when will this job ever end and will and I ever get out of this season? When's my breakthrough coming? Because I need a breakthrough. I want a breakthrough. If a breakthrough could just happen and you got the prophets on TV and you got someone on a CD in your car or on a podcast or something telling you breakthrough, 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 and you're so busy looking through the breakthrough You're tripping over the steps that God has provided for the breakthrough. Am I saying the right thing? You might have had my perspective. See, I knew I was called to ministry since I was three years old. I've always known it. That's why I ran from it, because I had something to run from. I wasn't lost. I was running from what I was supposed to be doing. I knew it. But what about the other 227 kids in that high school? They couldn't all be me. I'm so grateful for businessmen that know how to make money, know how to be a blessing. I'm so grateful for women that you don't maybe enjoy your job, but you know how to pray your grandbabies into the kingdom. I'm so grateful for men, and maybe you don't know your purpose and you don't know your place, but you like, I got a hammer in my hand and I got a screwdriver in my other hand, and let's make something. Let's do something. Let's help somebody. I used to be a different preacher. I used to come into a church like this and try to get you all to be like me. And then when I realized, number one, I don't want anyone to have to go through some of the things I go through. Bible says we'll be judged more harsher. It's not just by him, it's by people. But the other thing was this. What's everybody else going to do? If we all quit our jobs and just show up to church and have church every day, who's being touched? Who's being reached? What is it to, to go reach the world and the person sitting in the cubicle next to you is going straight up to hell and you haven't taken the time to be a blessing to them? No, I, I think that Here's what 
John the Baptist would say to us, don't, don't extract more than you're supposed to. Just, just do your job. Do it with the goodness of God and the glory of God. Be the salt and the, the light of the earth. And here's what I found out. I found out when the people that worked around me, I worked in a shoe store and I was called to ministry and I was wanting to go to Bible school, but I tried to go to this Bible school and I just get this, nah, it's not what I'm supposed to do. I tried to go to university. They looked at my grades and I didn't have to be led by the Spirit. They told me I couldn't go there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know about you, so I'm like, okay, Lord, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, I had a guy at the church and he was willing to mentor me and he began to mentor me and I'm like, all right, let's, let's pray. We're going to pray, 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 right? Fire, 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 fire. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's, let's, let's do something. Let's go somewhere. Let's do something. He says, man, you got enough character in your pocket as you do change. I didn't have any change in my pocket. He says, we're not going to talk about gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to talk about the power He says, you already know that. You've been raised around that. Here's what I want to help you to develop. I need you to develop your character. I need you to know what it means to be a man. I need you to know what it looks like to look someone in the eye, straight in the eye, and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I need you to understand to show up on time and be early and show up ready. I need you when I ask you to receive an offering, you ain't going on a 45 tangent. You're going to do like a two and a half minute encouragement. Well, I grew up in a church where, man, the offering message was just as long as the, the message, right? So he just said this. I just, and I'm like, where's the spirituality in that? He's like, and he would take me to these scriptures and remind me, was John the Baptist not spiritual? Did he not know the Lord's will? Was he not a prophet? So it's not, we were talking in our leadership meeting, it's not one or the other. It's both. I need the fruits and I need the gifts. And so I had this kid that was working next to me, and the only thing, I, I, I was a little bit smart. And so I had a job. I kept a job. I knew I, I didn't keep the job. I just got married. I can't pay the bills. And so here's what I did. I was like, okay, well, if I can't go to Bible school, and I can't do this, I am reading these books, I wonder if I could practice them at my job. Nah, probably not. But then I, be, I was like, okay, I got nothing better else to do. I'm, I'm here already. I'm stuck here. I don't even like being here. I don't want to be here. I want to be in the ministry. I want to do something big for Jesus. I want to lift his name up high on every mountaintop and rooftop and sing it from the valley to the mountaintop and all the way up and all the way down low. That's what I wanted to do. (laughs) I grew up poor white people in Hazel, Kansas. They're like, where did this kid come from? Like... Rod Parsley, Bishop T.D. Jakes, I was like, man, I, it just was, shut up, John, just good to back to the scriptures. All right, so, anywho, um, I remember I had this kid, and I'll sit back down so I say on my notes. I remember this kid, and he worked next to me, and I just had it on my heart. I really wanted him to know Jesus. I really did. I knew he was broken. He was hurt. I wanted to help him out so much. And so I remember I just started praying for him. That's how I started. And I started taking him to lunch. I started encouraging him. I started him working next to me. All right, you gave your word. We said we would shift the shoe this way, and so you're not going to shift it that way. We said we would pick up the trash. And I just started teaching him basic, everyday, this is just right. I've been to lunch with plenty of Christians that forgot the message by the time they treated the waiter. So I was like, man, we got to do this right. So 
and I've made plenty of mistakes. But anyway, I sit here, and I'll never forget. I just tried to be nice to him, show him love, encourage him. And one night, there was something in my stomach that I couldn't stop thinking about him. Because I was raised around praying women and praying men, I knew what to do. I was locking myself in my room, and I just prayed in the spirit, and I could not stop. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm like moaning or something. I'm like, man, it's like something in me is hurting. I'm like, my heart is hurting for this man, and I couldn't pray enough for him. He was 19 years old. The next day, I'm at work, and I forgot about the prayer, and I forgot about it. And I remember I'm in the back room, and I'm coming out the back room. He's coming into the back room, and I stop because I knew I needed to say something to him and I just looked at him and I was like waiting for the Holy Spirit to create this like magical mystical moment where a cloud would come down lightning would like 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 Moses had and that's what I was needing and I just knew in my heart just say something I don't know what to say just say something so I said Ryan how's it going and his eyes got really big like like weird And as soon as I stepped out, just to be nice, something came up in me, and I said, I've been praying for you. Nothing real deep, nothing real hard, and his eyes got as big as watermelons, and tears filled his eyes. And I was like, yes, Lord, here we go. And I was waiting for him to be like, tell me about this vision you have. But he didn't. He told me how him and his friends had robbed a pawn shop. They had cut the wires of the electricity that the alarm wouldn't go off, and they robbed the place and was selling everything out of a storage unit and how every night he couldn't sleep. He was puking his guts out. His Actually, a couple weeks later, he, his kidney failed him. He was in the hot. I mean, he was under so much conviction. He was under so much pressure of being caught, and he would call me at night crying, and so I just encouraged him to turn himself in, and he did. He was exonerated. And several years later, he let me know how he was working with the pastor of his church. I wonder if the miracle is not in the magical, but the miracle is in the meaningful. The good works. What are these good works that we're supposed to do on this Jesus journey? What's, well, I forgot your name again. I'm sorry, on the striped shirt. Darian, what's the good works you're supposed to do? I'll tell you what. How old are you? 19. You going to school? going to school, I would just begin every night praying, God, what degree do you want me to get? God, would you, would you show me where to go to school? You, do I need to be? Could you just begin to show me the way that, that you have for me? And if you don't give me a red light, like let me know I'm on the wrong path, I'm just going to keep on this path because I know you love me enough. You'll send someone across my path to let me know if I'm missing you. And you're like, that just sounds kind of like not very magical. It sounds kind of, trust me, you just stay on that journey. The journey of Jesus always intersects. The, you know, the, the, the supernatural always intersects faithfulness. So when I follow Jesus and I just do it, like that's what it is. Just, if I don't know what to do, I, don't, I just read his word and do what his word says. And if I do what his word says, trust me, he will confirm his word with signs following. That's, that's how he, just be faithful. He was faithful with the little, we'll be faithful with the much. Just be faithful with, are you in college then? Just be faithful with your college. And guess what? You'll be able to be faithful with his business. Be faithful with someone else's business, and you'll get your own business. Be faithful with your own business, and God might, we just, we're, we're not trying to figure out what the end is. We're just trying to figure out, God, they just said, and John the Baptist didn't tell him what the end would be. He just said, here's what I want you to do. 
today. Let's go through rapid fire scriptures to encourage some other folks this morning, and I hope I'm I'm doing so. I only have a little bit of time, and sometimes when you only have a little bit of time, you're trying to do everything. So let me just read these. Could you throw that next scripture up, ma'am, if you would, please? Next scripture um, it says this in verse eight. Uh, let's go to. I apologize. Let's go to the next uh, Luke five twenty four. Luke five twenty four. So that's in Luke four. We're going to keep following this Jesus. Now we're in Luke five. And it says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. This is, remember the man that was on the bed and his friends, they cut a hole in the roof and dropped him down and Jesus healed him. And you would think because Jesus healed him, Jesus would say, okay, now come follow me. Come do what I do. Follow and learn from me. But Jesus says this, he said to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and do what? Go home. Wait, what? Go home. That's probably where everyone knew he was paralyzed. That's probably where everyone treated him and he was marginalized. That's probably a place that he didn't want to go. It's probably the place he didn't want to be. But see, now he's been changed. His identity's been changed. So why didn't Jesus give him all the details of what he was supposed to do when he went home? Well, he probably went home and guess what he could do now? He could probably get a job. But the word paralyzed there actually references that he well, he wasn't born that way, but it was something that ultimately slowly happened. And the teachers of the law told him he had committed a sin that was so bad, that's why he was being paralyzed because he deserved it. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's not how the kingdom works. I'm letting you know that I'm healing you and forgiving you. And I'm letting you know whatever it is that was holding you back, no longer be held back. Go home. Well, what am I supposed to do? Get a job. Wait, what? Give your, give your offerings, pray, raise a godly family, pour your, your guts into your family, raise them. That just kind of sounds like everyday life. Everyday life gets so much more meaningful when Jesus is in the center. I was praying one time, we were on the mountains, and I was praying and seeking the Lord on, on what he wanted me to do and how he wanted me to do it. And I was like, okay, we're in the mountains. I want this mad. I was waiting for like a rhema word, like, John, I'm now calling you to go to the uttermost parts of the earth and go, not just Tulsa, but da 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 And I'm just like, oh, God, I can't hear you. Why aren't you speaking? Where's that voice? Why isn't it happening? And Argh. And all of a sudden, it just got quiet, and the still, small voice just came up on the inside of me and said this, stop looking for me in the magical. Look for me in the meaningful. You have a wife that's in there. You're on your anniversary. Why don't you go celebrate? Meaningful. Why don't you love her? Why don't you stop trying to find my will and just read my word? And if you read a scripture that, 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 that goes against what you're experiencing, fix your life to the to the word. Let's go on to Acts. Luke is still writing this Jesus journey. The journey continues after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Let's go through this quick so we can pray for some folks. It says in 16, 11, it says, uh, oh, I'm sorry. So we're in Acts 10, 6. It says, this is Peter's right before he gets the vision. It says, God speaks to Cornelius and says, he's lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. A tanner is confusing to all both liberal and conservative historians. Some of them, you know, that aren't Jesus followers, they're still historians and they believe the New Testament is history, so they're studying without the lens of Jesus. Then you have people who believe in Jesus, they're studying it through the lens of Jesus. And this scripture confuses everyone because if he's a Jew, he should not be touching blood. 
I don't know. We get confused by that. And the Lord's like, stop worrying about the confusion and go to the next part whose house is by the sea. I don't care who you are and when you are, but everyone knows, right? Maybe you don't, but I'll just help you. But I was getting ready to buy a house. We were looking for a house and I was like, well, maybe we'll buy a house or fix her upper and we'll fix it up and then we'll sell it and make a bunch of money. And you know, the quick rich things. I watched TV and an infomercial and I felt like I knew everything about real estate. So I finally went to a realtor and I just said, okay, I want to learn something about real estate. I'm thinking about, and all they said, he just stopped me and he goes, here's the only thing you need to know about real estate. Location, location, location. The house I was looking at didn't have a very good location. It doesn't matter who you are and when you lived in history, if you had a house by the sea, you was living it up. He had a business. He was a tanner. And guess what he did with his business? Instead of making it all about him and getting as much money as he could, he said, hey, I got an extra room. I got some servants that can make some really good soup. And so what we're going to do is we're going to invite the prophet over. You're going to make him a soup. And Peter's like, hold on, I'm not really hungry. I need to go pray. So he climbs up to the roof, and that's where God gives him the vision so you and me can be in the kingdom that Gentiles are included in the gospel message. But what if we didn't have a tanner who took his business and just said, God, how can I serve you every day with my business? Right? Let's go to the next one in, in Acts uh, 16, 11 through 15. So setting sail from Trous, uh, we made a direct voyage. This is Paul and Luke to the, that, that word that I, I can't pronounce because I didn't get my master's. And the following day to Neapolis, verse 12, and from here to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district. Leading city. Leading cities are expensive to live in. Right? Macedonia and the Roman colony. We remain in this city some days, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Who were these women? Verse 14. One who heard of us was named Lydia. Someone say, thank you, Jesus, for Lydia. From the city of Thyatira, Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. What is that word, seller of purple goods? Purple goods came from Asia and were very, very expensive. This girl was a designer. She designed clothes. And the idea of purple let us know she designed clothes for Hollywood. She wasn't really accepted in a lot of places because of the people she hung out with. But she took her threads and said, Jesus, how can I serve you? And it says this, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Let's read on. And after she was baptized, her and her household, well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Wait, a girl who designs clothes for Hollywood can be used by God? She's probably out late, going to parties she shouldn't go to, being around people she shouldn't talk to. Guess where we're talking about, what city we're talking about right now? This is in Philippi, where they are locked up in prison. They prayed. The place was shaken. Because she put Jesus in the meaningful, Jesus was able to do the magical. Let's look at this next verse. I want to just staple this in you, and then I want to pray for you. 17.4, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas and did a great many of the devout Greeks, and what? Not a few. What did it says? not a few? What does that mean? That means there was a lot of the who women? Wait, you can be a woman and lead? 
I'm here today because a, a lady and her husband, uh, I'm here because a lot of people, I don't want to put it on one person, but I'm here because there was a lady in our church and she was over intercessory prayer and her and her husband owned a restaurant and she couldn't come to church on Sundays because their restaurant was banging. And so she would come to prayer and she would lead prayer. And she prayed this little guy out of all of his junk into the kingdom. She wasn't a prophet. She wasn't a teacher. She probably flowed in the prophetic. She was a leading woman in the community. So don't you ever look at me and tell me that you can't be something for Jesus because you don't have a microphone and a platform. You need to recognize your platform is your everyday breathing and eating and drinking life. That today when we go to a restaurant or you go to grandma's house and get that spread all up on the table and you say, hold up. We're going to pray. Now, someone would say, well, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say we shouldn't do mission trips or we shouldn't, you know, go out as a church and minister? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying do not limit your life to that. Tomorrow when you wake up, you can have a very meaningful life. Ask Jesus, what, what can you do? If Acts 17, 12 Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. High standing. What does that mean? Politics. Politics. Let's look at the last scripture, Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. This is the one that we went to. Before the last one we read, Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, it says this, And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. How does Jesus fill? He fills his body. Who's his body? The church. Who's that? That's you. How does he fill you? All in all, your job. We have seven places in our church. We say it like this. If you don't take your place in Christ, you won't impact your space in life. You want to impact your space, you got to take your place. Take Jesus. Take your place in Christ. When you go pray tonight, God, I have authority from the heaven. I thank you, Lord, that tomorrow as I go to work that you will use me to be a blessing. There are a bunch of knuckleheads there, but I pray that you would use me and humble me to look at them in the eye and smile. God, I got this child. I got these people in my home that are driving me crazy. They're unthankful, and they don't recognize what I gave them. I'm giving them a better life than my mama and daddy ever gave me. And I didn't have a mama and daddy, and I'm trying to be the mama and daddy I didn't even have. And, Lord, if they would just see what I got to do and see who I got to be, then I just think that they'd be thankful. If they're thankful, my life would just be so much better. Could you help them be thankful? Instead, you go to Jesus and say, Father, what kind of parent do you need me to be? Faith, family, finances, God, finances, I need your help. I want to be a blessing. When they receive a missions offering, I want to be able to pay for someone's trip. Lord, that that single lady with the kids, and I know she's struggling because that that man didn't step up and be a man. Lord, I want to to buy their groceries for a month. God, I want to have big dreams to help people. 
God, that school that got closed down because there wasn't enough money and there wasn't enough teachers and there wasn't enough. God, how could you use me? What can I do? Can I begin to pray? Uh, do, I got, do I know some teachers? Do I know, do I, God, give me wisdom. Give me visions like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wisdom in all literature and learning that I understand have visions and solve problems like Jacob and all the prophets of old. Lord, many of them were in captivity and in prisons and you still used them to have a prophetic voice to release people. They weren't prophets with a microphone. They were prophets who wrote down their prayers in a book and sent them to their friends to encourage them. God, who could I encourage today? How could I pray? What, Father God, what's the enemy? What hold does he have on my neighborhood? What is he trying to do to families in my neighborhood? Where, how can I take my place in Christ and bless this community and see it be the everything that God has called it to be? My faith, my family, my finances, my friends. God, who are my friends do I need to pray for tonight? God, what friends are just struggling? What friends' families are just going down? How can I pray for them, God? God, which of my friends are you called into my life? And they keep being honest with me, and I keep rejecting them because I don't like what they have to say. I don't believe what they have to say, but all my friends have said that, and I've never even had a real friend. So what's in me keeping me from enjoying friends that you created because you were with 12 friends? And you told Father God before you passed away, you prayed, you said, I have accomplished all that the Father has given me, but you never died on the cross, and you never risen again. You didn't take stripes on your back. You weren't bruised for our iniquities because it was just as much a part of you to have 12 friends to send out as it was for you to be resurrected. God, how do I have friends? My vocation. God, my job. Am I in the right place? Is this the place you have for me? Do you have another place for me and you can't send me to a better place because I won't be faithful in the place that I have? Am I, am I, am I coming home complaining? Do I, am I not getting a raise? Am I not being more blessed because I just won't work any overtime because I don't want to give any more hours to that job and to that boss because they don't deserve it? They're, they're cheaters. And, they're, and I remember one time I came to a friend at church or at my work and I was like, goodness gracious, I have to work so much overtime. And she looked at me and she goes, you must be praying for money. I was like, I bind that in Jesus' name. God can get money in my mailbox. He can get money from my friends. Why would he want me to work more? That takes more energy and more time. And I found out the more that we pray for money, the more opportunities God opens for us to work more. Work is not a four-letter word. Work is the way he gave Adam a job before he gave him a ministry. His ministry was his job. God, how do I, how do I, how do I, my vocation? Is there a purpose that you have for me? Is there a business you want me to start? Is there something you need me to do? Do I need to hire a bunch of young kids that don't know how to work because they didn't have a mom or they didn't have a dad and you want me to be a mentor to them? Maybe I am called to be a pastor, but I've tried to pastor churches. I keep trying to pastor a church. I keep trying to start this. I keep trying to start Bible studies and they all flop and they don't work out. Maybe, God, do I do have a pastor's heart, but you don't want me to be a pastor in a church. You want me to have a church in a business and I use my business to pastor people, pray for people, bless people, teach them about the principles of the kingdom so they can be success in life. Wait, that sounds way too big for our Sunday morning gathering. Oh, the kingdom is way bigger than you and me. God has not called Beaumont to be reached by this church alone. We are just a part of the big C, all the churches. And if Beaumont's going to be reached, it's not going to be one church getting on fire. It's going to be all churches recognizing their place because when they take their place, they can impact their space. We say our health. God wants us to to be vigorated with life. Okay, God, I've prayed for healing so many times. Am I missing it somewhere? Do I have unforgiveness in my heart? Am I just grabbing a scripture because I heard Brother Hagin say it? 
And, and I just keep saying, well, God, you know how Brother Hagin said, and Brother Hagin said, and Brother Hagin said, but when I read it, it's red letters, so Brother Hagin didn't say it. Jesus said it. So, Jesus, I probably need to get to know you more than I know the CDs I'm listening to. I read a lot of books on healing, but I'm not getting healed, so what's going on? And I probably need to read the book instead of their book so I can get to know you, the healer, the great physician, and experience your glory and your grace and your presence. Or, God, am I just expecting you to be a microwave, or am I expecting you to be a drive through because there is the working of miracles that brings healing, and I'm all about that. That and we flow in that, we function in that. But I've also heard someone say it like this, and they were recognizing some things that were going on in the body of Christ. Everyone's looking for a microwave, and everyone's looking through a drive-through for healing instead of recognizing, you know, God takes us faith to faith and glory to glory. And I don't know about you, but I got saved like 30-some years ago. I'm still not in heaven. I'm still having to operate in faith that what I prayed 30 years ago is still true today. My service. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I have people in my church. I'm not talking about this church. I don't know this church. I don't know everybody in this church. They've not told me everyone in this church. So if you told me your name, I probably wouldn't even know you because we didn't talk about everything and everyone that's in this church. So I'm going to talk about my church. So I got a lady, some people in our church, and this is what they believe. They're waiting for the day that they have enough faith to do something for Jesus. So they sit on a chair and they just keep eating, 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 and thinking one day I'll get there. But what did Jesus say? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. She's got it backwards. She thinks she needs to keep receiving, 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 another prophet, another prayer, another hand, and instead of just saying, I'm just going to take a step of faith and we need help in the parking lot. And I've been asked to work in the parking lot, but that's too low behind me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get in the parking lot and I'm going to serve and I'm going to learn to serve people and Serve, 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 because I found out that people who serve are elevated to lead. I wonder if there's an area in this church that's been so frustrating to you, and the reason why it's frustrating to you is because you're not better than the pastor. It's because you were called to solve a problem. Preacher, you better go back to Tulsa because you just stepped on homeboy's toes. But let's be real. Let's just be real. You want to know the greatest person in our church, the greatest faith that I have in our church? I don't know if we're recording this. I don't know if this is live stream. You can look him up on Facebook. You can look him up on Instagram. You're not going to find him there. You're not going to find that he has 10,000 followers. You're not going to find that he has a podcast, and you're not going to find, but I'll tell you the most successful person in my church is named Jacob Bryan. He's a 19-year-old kid that works in the sound booth, and he doesn't really know how to run a computer, but he puts his hands to it. And he comes early sometimes and cleans the church. And every week he writes a tithe. He doesn't give big money. He's not the biggest giver in the church. You want to know why? Because he's 19. He went to school and he worked a part-time job. And he had a bunch of people living in his house. And he had all kinds of reasons to be mad at me because some things that happened with his family. And he could have kicked me and he could have screamed at me and he could have told me because we canceled our youth ministry because our youth did it. But he's still up there. He still smiles and he still serves. And if you needed him to come to your house and mow your yard, he would be there tomorrow, eight hours from Tulsa, and mow your yard, look you in the eye and say, thank you, ma'am, for the honor to serve you. Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom is he who will serve all. I wonder if there's some things missing in my life because I just haven't given. I'm waiting for them to be received. I wish I could give $10,000 today to a family that needed $10,000. That's my hope. My prayer is that I'll be able to go to churches one day and I'll find a project that they need help with. And me and my family, not my church, me and my family will be able to write a check and just say, man, be blessed 
but you want to know what? If I can't be faithful with the $10 I have in my wallet to buy the lady that's behind me at Chick-fil-A and say, baby, I I see you going through something. Let me just pay for your meal. See, we're waiting for the magical, missing the meaningful. Let me stop because we've been going a long time. And some people, you might be here this morning and you're like, would you just be quiet because I need to follow Jesus? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Because this morning, whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you've begun the Jesus journey, whether you're just now hearing about the Jesus journey, whether you like what I said, didn't like what I say, I pray that you would right now just open up your heart and ask yourself this question. Tonight, if something were to happen to you, if you were to die tonight, what would, what would happen? What would happen to you? I'm not talking about dying in a car wreck and you would be dead. I'm talking about where would you spend eternity? My question really is this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know that he died for you? I know I could have been a little bit pushy today and maybe said some things that you weren't comfortable with, but here's the cool thing. Jesus loves, Jesus loves you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that whoever believes in him, the word whoever is not special people, it's whoever. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that Jesus, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died and that God rose him from the dead, and you call on his name, you'll be saved. For whoever calls on his name will be saved. Who's whoever? That's you, that's me, that's good people, that's bad people. There wasn't any good enough people because you and I couldn't earn it. It was a gift given to all. His name is Jesus. So my question to you today is this. Where are you at on your Jesus journey? Have you begun the Jesus journey? Do you want to know Jesus? The Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us to even know our need of Jesus. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never called on his name. You never believed in him. I would count it the greatest privilege of my life to be able this morning to pray with you to know Jesus. And if that's you, you've never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and that's you, you know something right now on the inside of you, like, I need to do that. I've heard about it. I've sat in this church so many times, but I feel like today I need to, I need to take that step of faith. I need to, I need to do that. I need to, I need to do that. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hands. One, I just want you to just think about that. Where's it coming from? It's coming from your heart. That feeling in your heart, there's something in your head saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, but your heart keeps saying yes, but your head keeps saying what? Your heart is where the Holy Spirit works. He's trying to prod that heart to become made new through faith in Jesus. Two, if that's you, when I say three, I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray together. Today will be an amazing day of God's grace and his gift of salvation. Three, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand right where you're at, young, old, just lift your hand right where you're at if that's you. If there's anyone here this morning, you say, that's me. I, wanna, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. just going to ask you to lift your hand, then we're going to all pray together. We're going to all do this together because we're a family. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you're at. Praise God. Maybe there's no one lifting their hand right now, but we're going to pray a prayer together. I see that hand. Anybody else? I want to pray with you. We're going to all pray together. This is a prayer you can pray with anyone at any time, at any business, any mall, any restaurant. This is a prayer that we can pray together. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, I recognize this morning, Jesus, I thank you that he died, that he was raised again. And I, right now, I call on his name. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Make your home my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise for salvation. The Bible, Bible says one soul comes in the kingdom, all of heaven rejoices. Amen, amen, amen. Before we get ready to close, babe, you, you want to wait? Okay. You want to wait. Amen. I just want to say what a privilege it has been to be here and uh, to get to know your wonderful city, get to know you beautiful people. And uh, I was telling Caitlin last night, I was like, man, thank you so much. for Before I could finish, she goes, your family, your family. That's what we like to say at our church. We're like, we want to be family. We want to be family. So thank you for so much for accepting me and uh, taking the opportunity just to listen. I pray that God would maneuver through some of the things maybe I said on my own. I won't promise you that everything I said was God. Some of it was maybe my own frustration, but I want to just pray a special prayer over this church, if that's all right, because I do believe that everyone is called to be significant and make an impact in this world. Whether you have a microphone and you're called to vocational ministry, we're all called to be ministers of reconciliation. Some of us will do that in our school. Some of us will do that as teachers. Some of us will do that as doctors. Some of us will do that as business people. Some of us will do that as workers. Some of us will do that as moms and dads and stay-at-home moms and friends and family and whatever else the Lord should call us to do. And I pray that all of us one day will get to walk on foreign soil and get to see that we have a family that's so broad and so wide and that we'll all get to take this gospel. But we won't wait till we walk on foreign soil to take the gospel to somebody. We'll recognize that God put us on this soil for a place, for a purpose for a reason. God, I I lift up Trinity of Beaumont to you this day. I do. I pray, God, for them. I just pray, God, your love, your passion, and your grace. I pray that the freedom that comes by the Holy Spirit, the freedom to serve you tomorrow, as we wake up to go to our jobs tonight, as we go home to our work today, when we sit down on our couch or sit around the table to eat, I pray that we would look across the people that sit across from us, our family, our friends, our community, and we'd no longer look at them through eyes that we've arrived, but we will now look at them through eyes of people who need to experience the Jesus journey and that you would use us, God, to be an encouragement. You would use us to be an influence. You'd use us to make an impact. God, I pray for this community of believers that is here in Trinity, and I pray for the body of Christ that's in Beaumont. I pray, God, that you would continue to awaken our hearts and awaken our lives, that you would cause what Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, that we would be strengthened in our inner man by the Holy Spirit, and together we would grasp what is the depth and the breadth and the width of your love, that we would be filled to the fullness of you when we realize that, God, all this is from you. All this is for you. Your word, your son, your spirit, your grace, your mercy, your church, your blood, your purpose, your plan, your kingdom, it's all from you. May our lives be lived to be all for you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much.